You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. Hooray! Delicious Volume 1, Life Tastes Good, is finally at Amazon United States. What is delicious, you ask? Imagine a land where all your favorite foods live as human girls. Here in charming a la carte, under the floating city of heavenly delight, we meet Ramen, a young cook trying to run a restaurant with her family of pastas as they end up in all sorts of wacky adventures and hijinks as these strong, eccentric characters pursue their dreams and passions. Delicious is a beautifully drawn comedy series which is now finally available to buy in the United States. Click on the banner on one of us, order today and join in the fun now because Delicious Volume 2, Yum 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 is coming really soon. A perfect gift for your child or those of you who are forever young at heart. One of us strongly recommends this one. This is not the movie to watch while you're hungry. I didn't even realize that I was when I started watching it, but I guess just because I hadn't really eaten all day, about halfway through this, I had to pause it and go make some food because it it let me know very quickly that I was indeed quite hungry and uh, couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> this movie made me want a hamburger like nobody's business. Yeah. <laughs> I almost called DoorDash halfway through. It, it's weird. Like it, it is, but isn't, but also is about food uh, in a very strange way. And the movie we are talking about is called The Wonder, which is based on the... 2016 novel of the same name by author Emma Donahue, who's also the author of Room, that was eventually adapted into the Oscar-winning Brie Larson movie. Like, wow, what a what a career! It is directed by Sebastian Lalo, starring Florence Pugh and some other people. And here to talk with me about it today are Melina. Oh, good morrow to you, Gina. Well, hi ho there, neighbors. <laughs> and Nat. Hello. I, of course, am Rose, and I kind of dug this movie. I I was intrigued from the very start, because it starts off with a very unique framing device or intro, one of the more unique ones I think I've ever seen, where it's just, it's literally the set of the film, like the, the backside of the sets that they mm-hmm. use with the plywood and the scaffolding and everything, and you're like, uh, did I... Am I, am I watching the right thing? Is it? No, it is. Okay, what's going on? <laughs> I thought the same thing. Yeah, and then it, it's a narration. It's like, we want you to know the people in this story believe everything is true. It's not a true story, but the characters are truly held in their belief. Or something like that. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah that's that's generally how storytelling works. But all right. Yes, that's, it's called fiction. Yeah, go off. So that that was interesting. I didn't think it necessarily had a point or a payoff because spoilers that's also how the movie ends as we go back to the film set and everything it's i don't know maybe that was an adaptation of something from the book that didn't quite translate well to film i i kind of thought it bordered on pretentious you know but it also had a necessary function 
which was to get you in a more sort of symbolic headspace, which is kind of like, it, it reminded me of the Northmen in that way, where they were like, no, at, at different times, people thought about these things with different levels of literalism. Yeah. And they wanted to not read the movie as like a Christopher Hitchens YouTube video. <laughs> well, I mean, I would venture that it crossed the border into pretentious. Um, and I can say that because I think you are explaining it a lot more organically than the movie manages to. And the framing device was something that I didn't want to get too caught up on. I wasn't a huge fan of it. I, in fact, like Rose said, thought I had put on the wrong movie. I genuinely thought there's got to be another movie called The Wonder. And then when I saw Florence Pugh's name, I thought, oh, scratch that. I guess maybe they're filming this like the Lars von Trier movie, oh, Dogville, yeah. where the whole thing is set on a soundstage. And I was like, okay, well, maybe if they find an interesting way to come back to this. And I never thought that they did in a way that made any real sense. Yeah, it just, I compl had completely forgotten about it until they did it again at the end. And I was just like, oh, yeah, this this was a, that was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, interesting parentheses. I just wish I knew why it was here at all. It was weird to use such an unusual device and then use it so minimally. Right. And not, like, interrupt at the third act break or anything yeah it was like very greek chorusy. yeah i was expecting that sort of like theater conceit to happen again also that woman looked like she was dressed like the lady from theranos and that lady scares me <laughs> i thought she was deidre miro from andor yeah it was like with that black suit on i was like oh oh okay i'm with you yeah, it was serious now is the time on Sprockets when we dance vibes. <laughs> well, more into the movie itself, what did you guys think? Was this, I can't say good, I can't say bad. The best I could say about it is interesting. Um... It, it was a movie. Oh. <laughs> well, I was infuriated because the trailer made it look old-timey, but it had no dragons or knights. <laughs> and those are the only things I care about. No, uh, no I'm, I'm joking. Liars. Uh, I should stipulate that because there are people that are on that wavelength that was extremely well done mm -hmm. i got pretty sucked into it by the end it is kind of uh depressing and without spoiling the ending i think the ending had a like i think that's a scooby-doo ending quality and like that's part of what the wraparound implies is that this is an unreliable ending that yeah. this neat yeah. bow is not, not knotted. reality. That it's more like a something like a life of pie or something where there's a definite element of inserted personal, you know, imagery and mythology into it. It's a very strange movie. It's hard to describe and do it justice, but I guess the log line is a nurse is hired to go to a remote Irish village and take part in a partially secular and partially liturgical watch to see if a miracle is occurring yes and the miracle is uh, substantiation it's a, it's a person who's existing without eating allegedly right which i actually was not aware of this but apparently the term fasting girl has its own wikipedia page because this yeah, was it, it's a whole phenomenon yeah it was it's a semi-common occurrence apparently it occurred a lot during the middle ages it was done as a like an act of attrition and it was something that actually started to show up again in the 1800s particularly in europe and this is a fictional telling of one of those tales you have this 11 year old girl who according to the town elders if you will and those around her has not eaten in four months, subsisting, as she claims, only on manna from heaven. 
and the the mystery kind of unfolds is you know is this real how is she doing this what do you believe things like that and i i mean that was all very compelling and yeah i I got sucked into okay what's really going on here Mm -hmm. and i thought that played out pretty well extremely i also have to stipulate that um if you are a theater goer in the current time don't watch Banshees of Inisherin immediately before you watch this because they <laughs> they sort of feel like they're in the same village, but they're drastically different in tone. <laughs> yeah, it's got Ireland written all over it. That's for sure. The wides of Ireland, like the Irish countryside, are almost a character in and of themselves in this thing. I can't say enough about how beautiful the production design on this was. Like, it's just, it's so beautiful. Oh yeah, beautifully shot and everything. Gina, what did you think? Well, funny enough. From the beginning of it, the framing device actually didn't bother me that much. I am glad they did that because had I take this movie serious in its merit of I'm watching a film and have to go along with the ride, I think I would have been more disappointed. But because I went into this, I don't know, a little detached, it helped me enjoy it more. Um, Florence Pugh's character... Uh, If it wasn't for her acting choices and just commitment to the role, I don't think this movie would have been as enjoyable. Yeah, Like, she's so easy to follow as a protagonist, and uh, she plays the torture damsel very well. But I I can see, I don't know, this this movie felt like it could have done a little bit more. Like, it was missing something, but I couldn't quite figure out what that something was. Yeah, I I admire a film that has the guts to let the audience do a lot of the work. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a movie that so much of it is you piecing it together, not by what the characters are saying, but almost the exact opposite. It's what they're not saying over the course of it that is cluing you into what you think is going on. And I like how it doesn't wrap it all up neat and tidy and explain, yep, this is what happened from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. We're going to let you think about it. That's what I loved about the first two-thirds of this. Like, I really loved the first two-thirds of this. I loved the themes that it was exploring, which is look at whether or not this girl is in fact, a young saint who's been chosen by God, or if she is just incredibly traumatized and is the victim of uh, horrible abuse. Regardless, it's it's real to her, and the tragedy of it is watching her slowly start wasting away, and Florence Pugh having to strike this balance of, I have a very specific duty that I am here to conduct, which is to be an observer and to basically decide whether or not this is in fact a miracle or a hoax, but I am also a nurse and I feel like I have a duty to protect this person. And I love, I love that there's so much of it that they just kind of, little clues that they drop here and there. So when the third act kind of dropped and it did become sort of like a Scooby-Doo wrap up, I was kind of like, I was like, did Disney come in and rewrite the third act? From the author, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm, it just didn't feel like the same film. I'm curious to to know if that the ending of the movie is the same as the ending of the book. I can kind of see it being. It it felt like a book ending, but yeah, the the ending it just kind of was like, oh, um, all right, this is kind of all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I sort of interpreted the the ending as like an act of denial. Like I mm-hmm. I don't think you're meant to walk away and think that that ending is what actually happened. It's entirely I think possible. It's like it could have been if we'd have done it right, and I think it speaks to the one thing yeah. that I sort of think is missing from this movie, but maybe to a purpose, which is that there's almost no doubt here. Everyone is pretty diegetic, and they maneuver through the movie unchanged. Mm. Even the, the the most heroic and most villainous person in this movie pretty much have no arc. They fulfill a point of view for the entire film. 
And, and I think that's why it felt very odd to watch is because like it avoided the beats of having the secular people think it's a think maybe start to think maybe it is miraculous and the, and the and the religious the the believers thinking well maybe something is going on maybe they are in cahoots or they're gaming this somehow like no, nobody ever wavers in it to speak to that I think there's something missing because the ending actually didn't <laughs> the ending didn't really bother me actually I like the ending if I take it for face value because for me it actually reminded me a little bit of martyrs that ending where it was kind of just like oh man this is on some transcendental weirdo stuff which is fine Mm -hmm. but I think it wraps around to what was missing for me was the whole conflict of uh like how you said Matt with the family and them believing that it kind of petered off like there was no real resolution like why was it so important for them to believe other than the reason they gave us, it just wasn't compelling enough. Like the emotional impact didn't hit as much as for me at the end of the film where I'm like, Oh wow. Well, at least this person, you know, gets to not have to go through that anymore. But yeah, I feel like it just didn't follow up on, I guess the conflicts for these characters in any way for there to be any type of like growth or procession. Well, the character arc. knowing how, often things really ended for these fasting girls in in real life which sadly in most cases was death they just straight up starved to death there is a shot of something mildest of spoilers here but I'll keep it vague a shot of something on fire that lingers for quite a while towards the end there once it does start to kick into the third act and that makes me wonder if maybe that could be interpretational kind of jumping off point for maybe this was a dying dream or maybe it didn't really happen this way I mean it's it it seems like that could have that shot could have been an out yeah Uh, and I am curious about how the book reads because maybe to read it actually have like have the prose on paper interpreted in a different way maybe the ambiguity of what we're Mm -hmm. seeing would maybe be a little more evident as to whether or not that's the intention. Because when I was watching this, by the time it got to the end, I guess I just, I never questioned the reality of what I was seeing. And if that's what the movie wanted me to do, I guess it just didn't quite come across. Except for, and I'm not even gonna say who, but there is this, it's not even a subplot, it's just this, for lack of a better word, there's this thing that they keep coming back to where a character occasionally takes laudanum to help them sleep. And they make a point of lingering on those sequences as you see them kind of slowly going into their little stupor. And I thought, I feel like there's a reason that this is here. There's a reason that we're following this person's trip. And if maybe that was them trying to tie this to you questioning the reality of what you're seeing throughout, uh, maybe that's just a different way to interpret it than I was. I'm not sure. Something like that, if this was a different movie that definitely could have been the segue into like a a trippy horror sequence that ties things more together but yeah the the first couple times it happens you're like ooh, what's what's gonna go on oh it's not then we'll be back to the next scene the next day oh okay cool um that that whole yeah subplot side plot whatever i mean the the other thing about it the the aspect definitely could tie into why that character didn't want to see the little girl, you know, starve to death. They definitely have a vested interest in keeping a child alive for reasons that become evident later on in the film. But yeah, the like the weird laudanum trippy scenes, I thought, didn't 
didn't fully connect or land for me anyway. Yeah. It does feel like there are a lot of carrots that the movie is kind of throwing out there. I just felt like a lot of the time, especially by the time it hits that third act and it becomes much more plot, uh, I guess not plot heavy, but certainly has a lot more, you know, forward momentum than Mm -hmm. the previous two thirds did. I felt like as a result of it changing its tone like that, it kind of left what what I thought were a lot of kind of fascinating breadcrumb trails kind of un, like unexplored. Like, oh, I really like where you're going here. Oh, well, I guess <laughs> I guess I guess they don't really lead anywhere. Yeah, it's there's a lot of stuff that's open-ended, which I, I'm fine with. I'm not like everything has to be tied up, you know, I want everything explained to me, but mm-hmm. Sometimes when, yeah, there are so many open things just thrown out and left, it, you kind of hit a point of diminishing returns on it. It's like, all right, can you explain one thing? Can can one thing lead to, to something? And that's not to say that nothing does in this movie. Plenty of it does, but yeah, there are a couple times where you're like, all right, this, this is kind of cool, but eh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and it, well, it made me think of it, but that I definitely wanted to make a note of, did anyone else notice the very strange edit in, like, mid-scene? It, it's fairly early on, I'd say. It's, like, right on the border of the, the first and second acts, and it's it's not just in mid-scene, it's in mid-shot, where Florence Pugh is walking kind of from one side of a very small group of people to the other. It's like a, you know, she's walking, like, ten feet, and all of a sudden it just cuts where she's like three or four steps ahead of where she was, and I had to back it up and watch it several times. Like, is this, is this meant to be something, or is it meant to indicate? And no, it just it seems like somebody just goofed in the editing room. Yeah, I, it's like either a goof or they're just like, okay, well this is gonna look, this is gonna give the movie some style, and the audience will, I guess, make maybe take it more seriously than yeah we otherwise think they would. There were a lot of decisions in here that kind of felt like that, and you know, to me, including the framing device, where I was like, at the end of it, it doesn't feel like this really has any other purpose than to just lend some style, like lend some style. And I'm like, that's fine, but it just RT. thematically, I just never thought it fit. And there were some decisions, like the edits, that I did think were strange. I was willing to go with them because I thought maybe the movie was headed somewhere other than where it ultimately does. Yeah, it's. It was an interesting project. I mean, I'm I'm glad that it exists. It seems mm-hmm. like someone looked at the book and was like, hey, this would make a good movie. Yeah, and I would say for a good majority of it, I would say it is. Yeah, it's it's perfectly adequate. Yeah. With that, should we roll into final thoughts? Yeah, let's go. Oh, yeah. All right. Gina, start us off. Uh, it didn't torture me like Midsommar, <laughs> and I was glad what, what that would? Right, Florence Pugh <laughs> wasn't giving another... Just, oh my gosh, can someone please give her a hot cocoa and a blanket? Mm -hmm. But this movie, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. But I still, like, I think I share the sentiment with the rest of the group where I still don't know what exactly they wanted me to take away from this film. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I enjoyed watching it nonetheless. Interesting story. Uh, The resolution, I thought was, I mean, it fit. To me, I was, I feel like I was watching maybe an Aesop's like fable or something i don't know how to feel about it but i enjoyed it which i hope never describes anyone's sex life so with that i give this a six out of ten times i wondered where she used the bathroom i know that's a weird thought 
the whole time I was watching this, I was like, if she's not eating, like, did she have, like, a bedpan or something? I don't know. I know that was really random, but that was really my thought watching this. <laughs> Fair enough. Matt? Well, it was a different time. See, we didn't, uh, we didn't uh, admit anyone pooped back then. They didn't see an outhouse, and they definitely did not have indoor plumbing, so that is a valid question. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I thought it was, like, I want to call it vague, but it was not confusing. Mm-hmm. It was clearly a very designed movie, right? They even, like like we said earlier, they even go out of their way to point out that they, they come out on stage and tell you, hey, we're making a movie here. It's a story about things that occurred. I don't think there's any accidents in it, and I think it had a sort of intent that they wanted to tell, right? And there is a low-key, I mean, I guess you can say that England versus Ireland is a narrative of colonial elements, but but I won't call it that. But there is an element here of like, you city people don't understand us. Mm-hmm. There's a big discussion in here of tradition, but it's tradition that is now antique to us, portrayed as the revolutionary force, because it was new ideas at the time. So it's it's Victorian medicine versus folk medicine, and we're now we're down on Victorian medicine. We're like, Probably the people probably should have washed their hands more, you know. It was really odd and confusing to like try to reconcile some of the things that happened with some of the setup, and I think that's, like I said, my, my interpretation of the movie is that's deliberate that the that the romance didn't happen, you know, the ending was playing out in someone's head or intention or with within their their sort of a their conscience, not something that literally happened. Although I would I would like to believe the ending was literal. So I think uh, it, it appears to have been intended to deliberately provoke, and it did so pretty elegantly without being uh, particularly, you know, scatological, without going to a, a, a Lars von Trier type place, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I found it really intriguing, but it's difficult for me to just like recommend to like my mom, you know. <laughs> I guess I'm gonna give it a situational eight out of ten times. Somebody ate like a complete pig. Did you notice that through line? She does. She's a very determined eater. Yeah, nobody, nobody in the movie has any goddamn table manners. I really wanted to correct a few of them. The like the the foley on this. Every time they showed Florence Pugh eating, it just I know. Ugh. Like if you have a thing about hearing people chew or eat. This is not the movie for you because it, it it definitely has its place in the movie. I saw someone online comment that it it stops or it lessens once she starts to figure out what's going on and it could represent, you know, like her like chewing on her thoughts and things like that. But yeah, if if the sound of somebody eating grosses you out, uh, maybe skip this one. <laughs> Melina? Yeah, this movie definitely served to remind me that I do have misophonia. <laughs> like, I hate the sound of the inside of someone's mouth. Yeah, I I actually liked all of those moments with her eating, not only because it's a, you know, very solid metaphor for her having to deal with this child who is adamantly refusing to consume food, but I liked that every time she has a revelation of what she thinks is going on, every time she kind of has a light bulb moment, it's when she is sitting down and eating with all of the determination in the world. Just unpleasant to listen to. Thematically, quite smart. But yeah, this is a movie that, yeah, for the first two thirds of it, I really was enjoying a lot. I really appreciated that this was a lot more unapologetic than I thought it would be about 
how horrible of a situation this is. You know, watching this community willing to subject this child to unbelievable suffering for the sake of wanting to believe it's a miracle, you know, whether it is or not. And I thought that, you know, as someone who is a very much a lapsed Catholic, that was the idea of guilt, the idea of suffering for the sake of salvation, it definitely hit a few nerves with me in the best way. Uh, and maybe for that reason, I was distracted perhaps with what maybe the movie's actual motive was because that third act just flips the switch in such a drastic way that I almost felt, is there another version of this somewhere on the cutting room floor or a draft on uh, Emma Donahue's computer where we did get that dark Lars von Trier ending that would have helped stick the landing for what I thought was ultimately what they were trying to say, but I guess it's not. Even so, I do want to go back and revisit it, and maybe when I do, I will interpret it in a different way and I will find, maybe I'll find something that kind of links all of those pieces together that I didn't quite feel did the first time mm -hmm. around. But I thought another amazing performance by Florence Pugh. It's almost redundant to say what a great actress she is. She's one of the best working today, undoubtedly. I'm going to give this seven and a half out of ten Clutie Wells, <laughs> which I thought Cluties were Scottish, but I learned something new every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I Florence Pugh honestly is the main reason that I I signed up for this one. I mean, I'm a simple woman. I see Florence Pugh, I watch. She is one of my favorite actresses working right now, one of the the biggest talents currently working right now. I mean, she's she's amazing. And she's just as good in this movie as you would expect her to be. I mean, I don't think she's ever turned in a bad performance in anything. And honestly, it's good performances all around. Like, there there were really no weak links in this. It was very competently, very beautifully shot. It's just, yeah, the story will be kind of hit or miss depending on who you are and, and what you believe or don't believe and how you think about certain things. But it's it's otherwise just a decent movie and I don't even, I mean I almost feel bad categorizing it that way but it's it's just a generically good movie it's it's not something I'll necessarily revisit but it's not something that I couldn't recommend either I would say watch it if you're interested mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that's that's the best I can say about it it was it was pretty good mostly on a technical level yeah I, I dug it more than I didn't but I am going to give it six and a half Catholic Saint trading cards out of ten. <laughs> oh, <dang. laughs>